The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. I don't know about you, but lately I've been thinking a lot about what life will be like after the coronavirus pandemic. And apparently so has the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Their post-pandemic world involves lots and lots and lots of hunting. Welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. As always, I'm your host, David Schultz, and my uh, cat is hanging out in the windowsill next to me right now. So if he does anything weird, sorry. Uh, So everyone's focus right now is on how to stop this pandemic, as it should be. But some federal agencies are already making plans for what to do after it's over. Last week, the Fish and Wildlife Service put forth a plan that would open up 2.3 million acres of federal lands for hunting during this year's fall season. That includes lands within 97 federal wildlife refuges. Here to talk about what this means and why it's happening is Bobby McGill, who covers wildlife and natural resources for Bloomberg Law. Bobby, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm okay. So before we get into exactly what the Fish and Wildlife Service is proposing here, explain to me exactly how hunting works here because when i hear federal wildlife refuges i would think that would mean that you can't hunt in a refuge you know so what's going on here how does this work so hunting in national wildlife refuges has a very very long and tortured history lay it on me the difference between now and you know say back in the 1920s 30s and 40s is that most refuges are now open to some level of hunting and it's not the same thing everywhere every What's able to be hunted in one refuge is different than another. But here's the thing. Federal law basically closes everything to hunting except that the Secretary of Interior can decide that a refuge is open to hunting only if hunting is is compatible with the reason that the refuge was created in the first place. So there has to be some kind of uh, reason or justification for why they're they're opening this up. Yes. And 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 so you know the the primary purpose of all national wildlife refuges obviously is for wildlife conservation you know if hunting doesn't conflict with that or if the secretary decides that it doesn't conflict with that for whatever reason um then they can open it to hunting so it sounds like basically wildlife refuges are off limits for hunting except for when the secretary of the interior decides otherwise and the secretary can do that as he or she sees fit uh, with a, with a with a good reason. Yes. So, what exactly are is the Fish and Wildlife Service proposing here? I mean, 2.3 million acres sounds like a lot, but is it? It is a lot. Um so there are 500 plus national wildlife refuges all throughout the country, and most of these refuges are pretty are pretty small. Um I went hiking on a National Wildlife Refuge just out, outside of D.C. last weekend, um and uh you know, it's a few hundred acres and uh it was created to, you know, preserve um, bald eagle habitat. And so that's a really good example. I actually don't know if that one's open to hunting or not, but they're not going to let anybody go in there to hunt bald eagles. They're going to let people go in there to hunt for 
you know, uh, you know, some other migratory bird that that isn't threatened. Well, speak, speaking of that, you know, under this plan that uh, came out last week, what would people actually be able to hunt in these refuges? I mean, I guess it, it depends on the area. But so um, it includes migratory birds. Um, it includes big game. So there's a refuge in Florida just outside. Actually, it's the newest wildlife refuge in the country. Everglades Headwaters National Wildlife Refuge. Um, that's going to be open to both migratory bird hunting and big game hunting for the first time. And so you could go and hunt deer there potentially um, at a wildlife refuge. But, I mean, there are some places that are still closed. I mean, there, there's a large refuge in, in New Mexico called Sevilleta, which is pretty big. And uh, But, you know, like little teensy tiny little postage stamps of this massive refuge are open to hunting. So there, you know, it, it, it really varies. Okay, we're going to take a quick break now. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to talk about why uh, the Fish and Wildlife Service is uh, proposing this right now. Uh, spoiler alert, it has to, uh, to do with the coronavirus. And also what the president's son may have to do with all of this. Stay tuned. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. All right, we are back with Bobby McGill, and we're talking about the Fish and Wildlife Service's post-coronavirus plan to open up wildlife refuges for hunting. So you did some great reporting on this, and one quote that you had in here, uh, I think, just really stood out uh, for me. Aurelia Skipwith, the head of the Fish and Wildlife Service, said that when the coronavirus has been defeated, quote, there will be no better way to celebrate than to get out and enjoy increased access for hunting and fishing on our public lands. So it sounds like the reason why the Fish and Wildlife Service is doing this is maybe solely to reward people who've been quarantined and allow them to sort of go out and, you know, celebrate the end of the virus. Is that it or are there is it actually more complicated than that? I think it's more complicated than that. Um, yeah. Just on its face. It, you know, a lot of people are are tired of being in, inside and they're thinking about being outside. I, know, I will say I, I know I am one of those people. Yeah, well, so am I. And and it's it's true. Like I, I want to go to national parks and and uh, wildlife refuges, too. But, um, you know, we have restrictions now. But this follows uh, a little bit of a pattern here. One is that. Um, a few weeks ago, Bernhardt, uh, Interior Secretary David Bernhardt. That's, uh, I should say, we should say that's uh, Aurelia Skipwith's boss. Yeah. Um, so Skipwith is the director of the, um, of the Fish and Wildlife Service, and, uh, which is a sub-agency of, of Interior. And so um, Interior Secretary Bernhardt a few weeks ago announced that the national parks were going to stay open so that people could socially distance outside in the parks. And what happened was that... A lot of those individual parks, I'd say most of most national parks right now are closed, or at least to some degree closed, um, because the crowds were too big. Oh, yeah. That's not what you want right now. But some of them remain open. And, you know, this this sort of follows um, 
you know, this pattern of of the administration sort of declaring that, um, you know, federal lands are available to the public uh, to be used by the public. And, uh, you know, the pandemic shouldn't fully stand in the way of that. This, this sort of speaks to that sentiment. The other thing is that um, this also follows a pattern of, of the administration sort of um, declaring that federal lands should be open to use rather than conservation. And it sort of emphasizes, you know, this idea that, um, and they've said this in, in previous documents, you know, with under, uh, you know, from other um, interior agencies that federal lands um, are uh, sources of, they, they provide goods and services. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> when you say there's a pattern there, that's definitely something that I've noticed on the many times you've joined us on this podcast. It seems like that's a theme that uh, the Interior Department really wants public lands and federal lands to be used. So, all right, you know, uh, I guess come uh, this fall, federal lands will be more open to hunting. Let's talk about the impact on the environment. What are some environmental issues to increased access to hunting? So there's several concerns here. One is, th- and just to be clear, this is this applies only to the 2020-2021 hunting season. So, right. you know, this may not apply after that. Um, the, the, uh, we don't know yet. Um, the other thing is that environmental groups are concerned that increased hunting and also to clarify, you know, some of, some of these, um, refuges are, are being, they're, they're seeing expanded hunting. So they may have already been open to hunting, but now more species, um, and there are, w- will be able to be hunted and, um, but environmental groups worry that, you know, because some of these wildlife refuges protect endangered species or other threatened species, that some of these species might be killed accidentally. Yeah. It's not like, you know, there's going to be a ranger looking over the shoulder of every hunter that's in a refuge. And so they fear that this could result in, in accidental killings. Yeah. And and these are, you know, potentially endangered species or, or maybe threatened species that could be impacted here? Absolutely. I mean, think about the... Uh, refuge I mentioned a few minutes ago that was designed, that was created to protect bald eagles. Um, I mean, it's conceivable that someone going to a refuge like that uh, could accidentally kill kill a bald eagle, you know, in that case is protected. And, uh, but it, it could be something else. It could be a, you know, a, a smaller bird that, that's, that's endangered. And um, it just depends. It, it, it increases the risk, they say. And finally, before we uh, let you go, Bobby, um, this is kind of a tangential issue, but there's a connection here to this story with the president's son, Donald Trump Jr. Can you explain that a little bit? What does he have to do with all this? So when the Interior Department um, and the Fish and Wildlife Service announced this expanded hunting in refuges, they sent out a press release that included a number of statements from um, envi- well from hunting advocacy groups, and one of them was Safari Club International, which um, you know very uh, strongly endorsed this move. And Safari Club International is connected with Donald Trump Jr. Um, they held they auctioned off a dream hunt in Alaska, which would have been you know seven days in in uh, the Tongass National Forest to go you know, hunting and, and, you know, they've, he's also been a keynote uh, speaker at some, at one of their conferences and there's a connection there. Uh, The Fish and Wildlife Service would not respond to my questions about, 
you know, whether or not there was any additional connection there, whether they were trying to curry favor or whether there or whether there was pressure from Donald Trump Jr. to open up these refuges. I don't know. And uh, but uh, they wouldn't respond to questions. All right. Well, that'll do it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more on the coronavirus pandemic and its effects on the environment, check out our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergenvironment.com. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, along with Josh Block and Marissa Horn. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The music for today's episode is A Message by Jazar and Tally Ho by Dick Walter. They were used under a Creative Commons license. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey there, I'm Kyle Trigstad, politics editor for Bloomberg Government. And I'm Greg Giroux, senior elections reporter for Bloomberg Government. Check out our podcast, Down Ballot Counts. Each week, Greg and I will be breaking down all of those down ballot elections that make up the fight for the U.S. Congress. Listen and subscribe to Down Ballot Counts from Bloomberg Government wherever you get your podcasts. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.